0: Hey everybody, welcome to No One Told Me where we believe hindsight is everything. I am squirreled away in uh, one of our back bedrooms with the door shut and I just know at any second my four-year-old's going to swing it open and ask me another very important question like where is the green dinosaur because that is worth you know interrupting for but it's okay you know it's all right because here's what we're trying to do every single week. We're trying to meet you where you are. And so why not just tell you where I'm at right now? And it's a little, a little frustrated. Okay. That's where I'm at. I think that's fair, but wherever you are, you're not alone in it. I can promise you that someone else has been there. Someone has walked through it, is walking through it. And so here in this space, we want to gather those stories. We want to share those experiences. We want to build runways for those who are coming behind us. Now, today uh, is the beginning of March, first Monday of March, and we are launching a brand new series. Each month brings a new series, and this month it's In Spite Of. So the circumstances, these situations you find yourself in, the news that you get, maybe the season of life you're walking through, how are we called to live within it in spite of what's going on around us, right? Because that's one of the hardest things, that In Spite Of mentality. No matter what happens, in spite of what happens, I will choose to be what? What are you choosing to be right now? Now, this has been a question I've asked myself a lot over the past several, several months. I mean, even just last week, I was standing at the kitchen finishing up the last few dishes to put in the dishwasher because you're one of two people, right? You're either the kind of person who... Uh, just puts the dish straight into the dishwasher, no rinsing, you know, it is what it is, it's going in, or you're the one who cleans the dish before putting it in the dishwasher, I am the one who cleans the dish before putting it in the dishwasher, because you just, I don't know, I don't always trust it, you know, is it clean, is it really clean, anyways, standing at the sink, finishing the last few dishes, and I look up, and I just say, I get it, I get it, you get what, Ryan asked me, I said, I just, I get it now, the Israelites. I understand them. I told him, okay, you know, was his response because he was clearly confused, but not shocked because, you know, it's not exactly uncommon for me to just speak out loud out of the blue, believing that he's been following my unspoken thoughts the whole time. But I told him, I said, I understand why the Israelites wanted to go back. Even with the presence of God leading them by cloud during the day and by fire in the night, even with the provision of manna and a promised land created with them in mind, they still wanted to go back. And I always thought they were ridiculous. Like this cannot be how it goes. You can't be this dumb, honestly. How could they not get it? But now, now, in this moment, right now, I get it. You know, in Numbers 4, after reports came back telling the wanderers that the land, Canaan, that they thought would be the promised land, it was full of giants. Okay, full of reasons, too difficult to reason away. They had done all the hard things. They had walked out of Egypt. They escaped Pharaoh. They wandered for unknown amounts of time. Shouldn't the promised land just be walked into easily at that point, freely? I mean, they'd already been obedient, literally walking in faith for 40 years. So they said to each other, they turned to each other after getting this report, and they said, we should choose a leader and we should go back to Egypt, back to slavery, back to laboring with no end in sight, back to being bound by chains, burdened by grief, cycles of heaviness and darkness. Let's go back, they said. Because at least there, we knew what was required of us. We knew the way to go. There might not be much there for us, but we knew what was there, what we're up against. Because comfort is knowing You know, they saw the Red Sea split. They saw food fall from the sky. They say God manifest himself as a cloud by day and a fire by night. And yet they ached for the known because the unknown had chipped away at their memories of God's mercy. Author Paul David Tripp, he wrote about mercy forgetfulness. He said, we all do it probably every day. We have no idea that we're doing it yet. It has a huge impact on the way we view ourselves the way we respond to others, and the way we see any given circumstance. What is this thing we all tend to do that causes so much harm? We all forget. In the busyness and self-centeredness of our lives, we sadly forget how much of our lives have been blessed by and radically redirected by mercy. The fact that God, now don't miss this part right here, The fact that God has blessed us with his favor when we deserved his wrath fades from our memories like a song whose lyrics we once knew but now cannot recall. The marks of his mercy are all over the pages of your story right now. Whatever you sit in right now, whatever you're walking in right now, the marks of his mercy are all over the pages of your story. But sometimes... The wilderness we find ourselves in, the wilderness we were led into like the Israelites, it's so big and so vast, we look ahead and see nothing. From where we stand, the landscape looks flat, desolate, and we forget. But if we turned our heads just slightly, if we directed our gaze behind us for a moment, we would see landmarks of mercy littering the path to here, to now. I stepped in my wilderness confidently, but the confidence, it withered quickly. I looked back and saw only what I gave up, not what God gave me. A friend and wonderful mentor, when I had my hand on that gear shift and I was ready to throw it in reverse, he said, Callie, don't look at where you're leaving. Look at where you're going the promised land, a place built with me in mind, with every question, fear, worry answered. But it's only found, it's only found through faithfulness. It's only found through continued, sometimes tiny steps of obedience on a path he's walking with us. If we are constantly in pursuit of him, The wilderness can result in intimacy or distance. Ultimately, we are the ones who decide. Draw near or draw away. Lean in or back out. Are you grasping at anything to get you out? Or are you heading in deeper? So let's find out. Let's talk through it. Just a few questions. Are the fleeting feelings of your heart driving your decisions? Right now when you have decisions to make, when you look at the future and you know you're going to have to decide something, are the fleeting feelings of your heart driving your decisions? When presented with a decision, are you deciding what's next based on worry or fear, uncertainty or guilt? Maybe it's shame or anger or resentment. Maybe you're deciding based on lust or bitterness or jealousy. Because truthfully, each of these is a sin. Each of these calls us out of living the way Jesus designed us to live. So that makes it sin, right? And if we're making decisions out of sin, which let me be clear, we all will do at some point. We are in a broken world with broken people. These things are not avoidable. But if we are making decisions out of sin, then our decisions will only perpetuate the sin in our lives. Okay, we will find ourselves on a merry-go-round. We will see the same sides over and over and over. And instead of walking forward, we are only walking in circles. And we may get a moment of relief, a moment of release, but we don't make our decisions based on what will bring relief, on what will get rid of a feeling. We make our decisions on what will bring healing. And that's only ever Jesus. We decide based on the promise that he only wants good for us. That is his plan. However much it hurts, if you are wondering, what is he doing? How is this all going to work out for your good? That's the answer. That's all you need to know. You don't need to know each step. You don't need to know where you're going to end up. You don't need to know what the promised land looks like. You just have to know there is a promised land. The story he's writing for you right now. It can only be good. However much it hurts, however much it doesn't make sense, however much you want to see how it plays out, his plan, his story, it can only be good. So we remove the sin that drives our decisions and we lay it at his feet and we ask him to take it captive, to forgive us. And then we look at the decision through the eyes of Jesus. In this scenario, What brings him the most glory? What brings the good to others? Will this produce more fruit in my life or will it wither the vine? What does walking in faith within this decision? What does that look like to walk in faith? What will it look like in three weeks, three months, three years? Count the cost, friends. Always count the cost, the cost to you to your people to your relationship with Jesus count the cost and as you are presented with opportunities out of the wilderness which you will be are you believing that every single door opened is meant to be walked through every good opportunity every door swung wide open is not a way forward sometimes we just turn them into escape routes our way out of the wilderness we let desperation drive away God's invitation into deeper waters. A job offer that maybe makes your stomach turn a little bit in not great ways. A relationship that's not quite what you dreamed of. A yes when your soul is shouting no. Over the past four months, four doors have swung open in my life. One was slammed shut, which in hindsight was a relief. Because it was early on in this wilderness that I'm in, and I hadn't learned yet to count the cost. But the other three, they stayed open. Instinctually, I thought, well, if God opened it, he obviously wants me to walk through it, right? I mean, that's simple physics. But my spirit would never settle in on these opportunities. They never felt quite right. They were pretty. I mean, they were nice. They were like, they'd have been fun to talk about, to tell people about. But my spirit never settled around them. And I think that's because the Holy Spirit kept stirring, kept drawing near, inviting me to look harder, spend more time in this wilderness. Ask the questions. Exiting the wilderness is rarely a quick decision. Most times, it's not a decision at all. Just like walking in usually isn't either. It's all spirit-led. Each step, in or out, is driven by an intimacy with the Holy Spirit. The same spirit that guided Jesus into his own personal wilderness, that guided him to the cross, that laid him in a grave, and that rolled back the stone. That same spirit, it dwells in you when you follow Jesus. That same power, it's running through you right now as you're listening. So walk in it. Wherever you are, wilderness or not, What would our lives be like if we walked in the power of the Holy Spirit, fully believing in mustard seeds faith? Back in Matthew 21, early one morning, Jesus and disciples, they were walking back into the city. And I guess they had skipped breakfast because Jesus, he was hungry, right? Like really hungry. You know, that kind of hungry when like you've just started intermittent fasting and you're like, I can't eat till noon and you're just ticked off. Right. I mean, I mean that's I'm just telling my own personal story there. But that's what this was like. Jesus was so hungry, they're making their way to the city. And Jesus spotted a fig tree on the side of the road. Okay. So he's like, There it is. I'm gonna that's gonna give me a little snack, that'll hold me over to get to the city. Walking over to it, he saw only leaves on it. There were no figs, and nothing to eat. And I mean at that point he's hangry, right? I mean it's Ryan and I went on a date, uh, like two weeks ago. And where he wanted us to go eat. And I like when we go on a date, we go Mexican food because I just, nothing speaks to me like chips and salsa in a Diet Coke. It just, it stirs my soul. Right. Anyways, we're heading out. We're going to eat. And guys, I'm so, I was so hungry when we got in the car. And where he wanted to go, I just knew, I knew there was going to be traffic. And I just so sweetly, just because in, in the sweetness of my spirit, said to him, Hey, Ryan, if we hit traffic, and we are delayed from eating anymore. You will not like what happens in this car. Okay, I just I mean, I felt like he needed, he needed a warning. I mean, that's fair, right? But that's where this is like, Jesus is like, I'm starving, there's a tree, I'm going to eat at that tree walks to the tree, no food, no figs, nothing. Okay. And so Jesus just looks at the tree, and he curses it. You know, scripture says that he it immediately withered and died. As soon as Jesus saw there were no figs on the fig tree, he killed the tree. OK, and the disciples, their minds were blown because it it withered immediately. There was not just like a drooping in the leaves. No, the tree died right there. And the disciples, they're like, hey, how'd you do that? How did, it, how did it wither so fast? And Jesus responds in verse 21 of Matthew 21. He says, Truly I tell you, if you have faith and do not doubt, not only can you do what was done to the fig tree, but also you can say to this mountain, go throw yourself in the sea and it will be done. If you believe, you will receive whatever you ask for in prayer. If you believe, if you are spirit led, Faith is not about meeting the milestones of our desired plan. Faith is about seeing the mercy in our disrupted plan. Being spirit-led means we are no longer at the center of every decision. He is. When he is at the center, you say to the mountain, go throw yourself in the sea and it will be done. So, yeah, I get it. I get the Israelites desire to backtrack 40 years worth of travel. But you know what I get to what I understand now more than ever. If the Israelites decided to go back, if they turned around and they said, no more. No more. I don't I don't see I don't know what's in the promised land. I don't see it. No more. They would have to do it without cloud cover by day, without light by night. They would have to do it hungry. They would have to do it in a boat over the Red Sea. They would have to do it all without God. And I would rather navigate the wilderness with the one who sees it all, who sees the before, the after, the in between, than navigate the wilderness with only my eyes to see. Keep walking the promised land. It's coming.